Welcome to Authors of the Pacific Northwest, where we connect authors with new listeners and provide advice to aspiring authors on the business of writing. I'm your host, Vicki J. Carter. So hi there, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for coming back to the Authors of the Pacific Northwest. And today I have the pleasure of introducing you to PJ Peterson. So PJ, would you like to say hello to the listeners? Hello, everybody. I'm thrilled to be here with Vicki. Oh, I'm so happy that we can get you on the podcast. I, I didn't quite meet PJ face-to-face, um, but was planning on meeting her um, at our local WordFest event that we have in our area. So I missed her reading there. So I'm glad that you can be on the show with us, PJ. Um, so for those listeners that don't know who you are, how about you, we get started with you telling us what state you live in? I live in Washington State, the most beautiful state in the country. I absolutely have to agree with you. (laughs) Of course, I love the Pacific Northwest, but Washington is a good one, that's for sure. Um, So tell us a little bit about your your background. Um, Do you work full-time or are you retired and writing full-time? I'm a retired physician. I always wanted to be a doctor and grew up to be one. I started writing actually a long time ago, but never thought about being an author until, well, five years ago, but I was still working at the time. Mm -hmm. I do write, not full time, but it's sure a lot of fun. Oh, I love it. So were you in family medicine or uh, what kind of medicine were you in? I was in internal medicine, mm-hmm. and the best way to describe that, it's like being a pediatrician for grown-ups. You yeah. do everything but surgery and deliver babies. Oh, I love it. That's a great, great analogy for me to understand the difference between everybody that I end up going and seeing <laughs> for things. I yes. love it. Very good. Very good. So um, I love to ask a few stumper questions right off the bat, but you did tell me you listened to the podcast, so you might know them ahead of time, but <laughs> it's kind of fun. Um, PJ, what's one thing you would like new readers to know about you or listeners that don't know anything about you? What's one thing you'd like to share with them? And it doesn't have to be related to uh, your book or writing. It just be something about you. I like to write in a way that people can see what I'm seeing and hear what I'm hearing and be in that experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you like to um, kind of dive in. Do you, do you think a lot in your mind before you start writing? Do you like have the picture in your mind as you're, or before you start writing or do you just start writing? There are two ways to well, if it's an experience that I've had, it's much easier to write about it. If I'm going to be doing a scene that I haven't experienced, then I have to put myself there, picture myself, what's going on, what do I see, and then be in that experience. Yeah, yeah, great. I love it. I like to dive into how authors write because I'm um, working on my first book. So it's so fun for me to hear other authors talk about their journey of publishing and also their journey of writing and how they, how, where they get their inspiration and how they work, work through that inspiration into a story. So awesome. So as an author, we're told often, I don't know if you hear this often, but I hear it, you know, make sure you're reading, you need to read in your genre or, you know, read outside your genre. Just, you need to be an avid reader. So I love to know what are you currently reading right now? If anything, (laughs) Well, I just finished reading Blind Eye by Jan Coffey, ah. which was really a fun book. And I like the way it's actually, uh, I think it's the husband and wife team that write, but they write under one name. Enjoyed that very much. 
Oh, I think that'd be interesting to have a husband-wife team writing under one name. How is it a um, one point of view in the story or is there multiple character point of views? Multiple points of view, all mm-hmm. parallel. Oh, cool. See, I like that idea. <laughs> Dabbling with that idea just a little bit, but it is complicated. So I think doing that with multiple authors would be fascinating. So I kind of wondered who wrote which part. Yeah. Or maybe they wrote and then went back and forth, you know, does it, but I would think you'd have to have one author write one point of view to keep it consistent, you know, one character. So very good. So when did you feel like you were an author? You said you'd been dabbling in it for five years. Was there a moment in your life where you're like, aha, I'm an author. I I've made it. (laughs) It was actually when I finally pushed the button, when I self published to Amazon.com in a way that's when I became published because my dream was to be published it wasn't just to write I actually mm-hmm. wrote this first book about 30 years ago ah. and it was sat on a floppy disk if anybody remembers what those oh, are I know what those are <laughs> all that time but I had printed a copy of it way back when so about five years ago I was in the Vatican waiting to go in and see the beautiful art. And I was talking to another woman who was actually on the same tour that I was on. We started talking about writing. Mm-hmm. It turns out that she had self-published. And I went, what is that? Ah. She about space.com. And I got excited because I knew that I wasn't going to go through that standard agent process. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many times I bought the Writer's Digest and mm-hmm. highlighted all the a publishing companies that wrote or that published my genre that didn't need an agent. But when I heard about that, I got came home, I looked it up, and I found out that I had to put the name of my book in it or mm-hmm. ever named my book. Yeah. So it forced me to think about what am I going to name my book? So I named my book, plugged it in, remembered to write down my password and all that, <laughs> put it on a sticky note in the cupboard in my kitchen. And didn't do anything for five years. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I, was wow. I just didn't yeah. have time. I just yeah. didn't go that step because there were all these other complicated things you had to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Publishing is actually the harder part for me. Writing is easy. Publishing, now that's another story. Yeah. So almost a year ago, I read an article about a young girl who had written a couple of books had published I went ah self-publishing there that is again and she had tried the agent route so I went to my kitchen cupboard pulled out my createspace.com password looked it up found out that they had since merged with kindle mm-hmm. found out more about it and said you know what I've got to do this I promised my father I would publish my book and I hadn't done it yet and he'd been dead quite a while and I looked more into it started finding out about e-formatting and all that. And I was still a little quagmired by all of that because I did not want to have to learn a new skill. Mm-hmm. And then, as luck would have it, a young man moved into Longview and came onto a board that I was on who had worked for Kindle at one time. Huh, lucky, just, lucky. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I introduced myself to him, and he said, I want to help you. All of a sudden, he helped me figure out what the process was. I found an e-formatter online, a wonderful guy at 52 Novels. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And it, it just happened. So from five months from May of last year to October, it took five months from the moment that I decided to do this to push the button and be a published author. And it was exciting. I think that's one of my favorite stories I've heard for so in a long time. And I've interviewed about 50 plus authors. So I absolutely love that story. Um, because when I started out, thinking about writing it was still books on demand where you would have to pay somebody to print everything for you in the self-publishing industry and I was like oh that's too intimidating for me and finding an agent that was just way out of my league in my world at that time with raising little kids and stuff and so it was just a year ago I went and started to do research on the publishing industry, which started the podcast. And, um, but your story is fantastic. I love it. And I think I need to have you, when we go off air, share that guy's name with me. I'll bring him on. He would be interesting to talk to. (laughs) 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 I think there's a lot of people out there that, that don't realize that the writing part for independent authors is definitely sometimes the easiest because I call it the business of writing is so much, it's a big deal. There's, there's a lot you have to do and then you are promoting yourself. So then you have to add that part into it, you know, and it's just, it's a full-time job. (laughs) It really is, which is why I wasn't able actually to publish when I was still working because I did have a full-time job and a half of an extra full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I understand. Like we were talking about a little bit before we went on air. This is, this is not my full-time job. The podcast and writing is not, it's what we lovingly call my house, the side hustle. Um, I love it to death and I enjoy it and it keeps me absolutely active and happy. But sometimes I feel like, dang, my full-time job gets in the way of a lot of things I want to do, <laughs> but I still have to pay the bills. So we got to keep moving. <laughs> amen. Amen. Yeah. So with the self-publishing, did you have somebody help you with the cover art design? Was that, was, did you say it was 52? What was the name of that individual? 52novels.com. His name is Rob Sider Mm -hmm. and he happens to live in Ohio, but I was reading, I don't know, somebody's blog and I saw his name, somebody that had self-published several times and it just stuck in my mind. So I looked it up, learned more about him and and what his process was and he made it really really easy so he formatted my book both for amazon.com well kindle publishing which is owned by Uh amazon.com and for kindle they're two separate Mm -hmm. but they went live the same day when i pushed the button for kindle it was live within two hours oh that's so exciting when i pushed the button for kindle print print on demand is what i did The next day, I got the email that said your book is now available. Wonderful. That fast. Well, we'll make sure if he has a website, I'll make sure his website is on the show notes. I love to have things like that in the show notes and on my website as resources for others, individuals that are looking for something, you know, and they hear about it from us or they hear about it from a blog. And I like to collect those resources to help others. That's kind of the genesis of this podcast As I'm learning. I like to share that learning with others. So fantastic. So let's share, let's talk a little bit about support groups from a writing standpoint. Did you, did you work with any support groups or did you just write this and say it has to get out? Um, or are you part of a writing group of online or face-to-face? I just wrote the book. I didn't know about writing groups and that sort of thing when I originally wrote the book. But the second book, 
I'm about 90% done with my second book. I don't really feel the need to have a writing group. I do have a very good friend who loves to read what I write and tell me, mm, I like that, or that doesn't make oh, sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when I was getting ready to publish my other book, I did have it read uh, by several people. And I had a professional editor go through it. She okay. actually found more typographical errors than anything else. And I want to say that I had a transcriptionist who did so yeah. <laughs> errors, not mine, but yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's super important, especially for independent authors to have somebody else read it, you know, and, and I'm really all gung ho for editors um, to find those, those errors and mistakes and also maybe plot holes if you don't have a support group that can read. But I think readers are the best people to have read for you because, <laughs> you know, they're going to be finding those things, right? Oh. Absolutely. And my professional editor noted that I had used the same sort of description multiple times, mm -hmm. about a different word here. Yeah. Um, and I had gone into detail in some areas that didn't add anything to the story. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I just wrote that stuff out, made it better. That's and fantastic. I like the ending. I love it. I love it. Well, how about you share with us what your inspiration is? Now you can, we can handle this two ways. You can share us, share with us your inspiration for you have one book published and you're working on another one and you can separate those out if they have different inspirations or it could be what inspires you overall, what drove you to want to definitely publish. Okay. So my first book well, it started out as a journal entry. I used to, well, I still do, write in a journal regularly. And I had been to St. Martin and I was just so excited and I had a wonderful time. And I just started to writing about my story, about my trip. And it just wanted to turn into a story. And it just kept wanting to be a book. So I just kept writing and I made some care that I had met and some other people that I knew. And it took me about a year overall when I ended, ended the book. Finally, I was on vacation. I took a week and said, I'm going to finish this book. So I just spent a week in central Oregon in the sun. Well, actually, in a, at a picnic table under a tree in the sun. <laughs> and I finished my book. And then it, and it just really just sat there and sat there. My second book, I must say the inspiration was another journey. I was in Germany a number of years ago, and I actually found my notes recently from that trip I had written about um, some of the things that had happened, and I wrote myself some notes about later when I wrote a book. And it turns out that some of those things that I wrote then are still pertinent, and I'm working those into my book. Oh, Fantastic. But I'll have a dream, like I had a dream about an orange truck, two or three nights in a row, this orange truck came into my dream. And I thought, I think you want to be in my book. <laughs> I've written an orange truck into my book. <laughs> I, I love when dreams um, inspire either full storylines or, or characters or things in books. I think that is powerful. There's something trying to come out, right? And as authors, we talk about it a lot. We kind of have this second brain going that nobody knows about <laughs> so, yeah. so I love that that's great I also write children's stories just because I can none of these have been published although someday I plan to write have a series called the St. Rose School series where all mm -hmm. the stories will have a story or a moral or a lesson in them mm -hmm. I was telling one of my good friends about when I was in 
Monte Carlo many years ago. I was traveling by myself, but I was traveling with a couple who were in the room next door. And we were talking over the balcony walls. We couldn't see each other. We could just hear each other. And I just thought to myself, gosh, I sure wish I had someone to enjoy this lovely breakfast with. It was just a beautiful morning over the Mediterranean. And all of a sudden, a pigeon comes and sits with me on the table. And I thought, no, you're not exactly what I had in mind. (laughs) So I was telling the story to my friend, Paula, and she said, oh, PJ, that would make a great story. So I said, well, why not? So I wrote a story from my great niece, Ariana, whose mother happened to grow up in a house where they had homing pigeons from the previous owner that kept coming back. So I wrote the story about the homing pigeons with the pigeon who came to breakfast and all that. But it was just fun to write. Oh, I love that. I love children's stories. And I would hope someday to write a children's story. I'm not an illustrator. I'm terrible with artwork. Um, And so that's kind of the thing that's hard for me to think about. I would love to work with an artist, but getting that portrayal of what's in your head into the story would be challenging. I've had some children's authors on that have also been illustrators on the podcast. And I just think it's fascinating, just a wonderful creative process. So you mentioned um, St. Rose, and I know you mentioned to me a while back uh, an email, I think, that there was, you you thought about doing a fundraiser. So for those that don't live in our area, St. Rose is our Catholic um, school in the area. And so why don't you share with our listeners what your idea was for that? Well, I had decided with my friend who helped me get my book on Amazon or Kindle, um, when I wrote a story for his daughter, he said, we should have an auction item at the school auction and you can write stories for kids. And so we decided to auction off. I'll write a story based on that child, their family. I'll interview them and get some kernels of things that, that are uh, true for them and then write a story around it. And so we ended up auctioning off three stories. That was my limit. Mm-hmm. $150 each. So mm-hmm. $1,050 for the school. And I get to write three fun stories with the premise that they will all be in the future in the St. Rose School series. Oh, that's so cool. Real books. But I made them their, I will make them their own original, one of a kind, unique book, have them bound over it. Um, Minuteman or Office Depot, like I did the others. And then they'll have their very own story and that child will forever be the hero in their own story. Oh, I just love that idea. I think that anytime that we as authors can use our creativity to support community, um, you know, not just the writer's community, but our communities that we're involved in, it's very, very powerful. So I love that. I hope that inspires other authors that are listening. You know, how can they give back to their community? And I think that's a great idea. Somebody steal it. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> it was a lot of fun to do. I'm just looking forward to writing the stories for these children. How fun. How fun. And, and it has to be empowering for those children. I feel like is going to um, write a book about them or story about them. That's got to be empowering. <laughs> so wonderful. I do know that young Samantha, her story was Samantha and the Candy Corn, but she wanted a story about Halloween. Ah. Her mother has to read her her book every night. Oh, how sweet. (laughs) I love that. And she'll have that book forever. So she can share that with her own children and grandchildren, you know, in the future. So that's beautiful. So before we get started on the reading, um, I like to ask another good question. Um, What is 
um, a little bit of wisdom that you can give to somebody else that's starting in the journey, knowing that all authors journey towards publication, um, what's something you can share with authors or budding authors like me that is listening to this podcast? Because we have a lot of them that listen. (laughs) Write down the ideas that pop into your mind. It may or may not have anything to do with anything you've ever thought about or planned to use, but just write them down. I have a file of just ideas that have come to me that I'll use in the future. For example, there was a Charlie Brown cartoon, I don't know, several years back, and the expression somebody used was smarty boots. And I thought, smarty boots, that sounds like a fun word. I want to use that in a book. So I wrote down smarty boots, put it on a piece of paper and put it in my file. And it might just show up in a book someday. Oh, that's a great idea. That's a very good idea. I I don't have a specific file. I have piles all over my office. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, piles, piles are alike. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's probably a great idea. Well, PJ, let's set the stage for your story that you're going to read and and share with us what you can about the background and the characters without revealing too much because we want everybody to come and, and, you know, find you and get your book and then go ahead and go into the reading. And when you're done with the reading, I'll take us out of the podcast. So the book I'm reading from is Blind Fish Don't Talk. My young heroine, Julia Fairchild, is a young doctor loosely based on somebody that I know very well. And she's gone on vacation to St. Martin. She's never been there before. And she's supposed to meet this guy that she had just casually met at a medical meeting in San Francisco. Well, he can't go, but he says, you go on yourself. So she does. While she's there, she meets some fun people. And she's supposed to deliver a, a, a package to his, this other guy's friend, Linda. Well, Linda doesn't show up. So she, I don't know, she just keeps looking for her. And she finally um, talks somebody into going with her to look for her. And they're scuba diving. This lady is a very good scuba diver. And they find her dead. Now, when Julia goes to report it to the authorities, they just think it's an accidental death. She's a scuba diver. She dived one too many times by herself. It's accidental. But Julia just doesn't doesn't think so, and she thinks the authorities are blocking her pursuit to find the truth. So she's on this hunt by herself. So this is a little excerpt from when she has met a lady named Jill, who's based on one of my longtime friends. Um, And so she and Jill and two others are at dinner. So here we go. At 8.45, as dessert was being served, Julia excused herself and headed for the exit. Jill caught up with her and insisted on knowing where Julia was going. I'm just going to meet a friend, Julia offered. Who? I I can't tell you. Why not? What are you up to? Jill, I can't tell you just yet. Julia, I'm not letting you go until you tell me. I know you're going to do something crazy. You've been way too quiet tonight. Julia thought for a moment before replying, okay, I'm going to meet Ian, and I just didn't want to say anything. Meet him for what? You haven't told me everything yet. Jill was given Julia a tell-me-all look. Well, it's kind of personal. Look, he's not your type. This has something to do with Linda and Scott, doesn't it? I promise not to tell, but I'm in this pretty deep, too, and I would like to know what's going on. So tell me already. Okay. 
Ian is going to go with me to Scott's house and maybe Linda's too. Are you breaking in? Jill seemed horrified. Not exactly. We have keys. Uh, Martin isn't going to like this. He isn't going to know. I'm coming too. Jill, I can't let you get involved. Julia, I'm already involved. What's one more piece of espionage? Besides, life was dull until you came to St. Martin. Jill smiled. Well, I, um, I have a tendency to throw humor in. I cannot do anything just 100% straight. So that's where that comes from. So this is another section of the book. So Julia is now over on St. Bart's, an island across from St. Martin. And she's looking for people who might have seen Linda the day before or two before she died. So she's now in St. Bart's. Julia headed across the street to the store on the corner. The sign over the door said Germain's Nautique. Once inside, Julia felt like she'd stepped back 50 years in time. Everything was dusty. The small room was crowded with shelf after shelf of disorganized rope, pulleys, hooks, and miscellaneous nautical odds and ends. She was the only customer in the shop. The proprietor was nowhere to be seen. She perused the outdated magazines in the back for a moment, waiting for someone to appear. No one showed up. So she stepped back out into the Caribbean sun. The restaurant next door looked quiet as well, probably because it was too late for lunch and too early for dinner. Julia hoped that Linda had stopped to eat and that someone at one of the restaurants would remember her. She took a deep breath and stepped inside. A thin young girl wearing a tropical print shirt tucked into bright turquoise skin-tight jeans was taking an order from a middle-aged couple at a side table. She had tousled blonde hair and wore enough makeup for three women. She looked up at Julia as she approached. Can I help you? She had a thick French accent. Uh, yes, I'm trying to find someone who might have seen or talked to Linda Townsend last week when she was here. She showed the waitress the picture she found at Scott's house. Mm, I've never seen her before. Were you working last Thursday or Friday? We oui, both days. And you're sure you've not seen her? We, oui, I am sure. What about the restaurant across the street? I noticed a Ferme sign in the window. Do you know where I could find the owners? No, they have not opened for the season. Yeah, she could not have been there. Maybe another waitress who works here, Julie asked. I am the only one until high season starts, another three weeks from now. Julie thought for a moment before her next question. Well, do you know where I might find the owner of the marina supply shop next door? The waitress finally smiled. Mais oui, Germain has just left here. He has café au lait every afternoon with the chef Jacques. Then he goes back to her shop. She waved her hands towards the door. So I'm just skipping ahead a little bit here. Sure enough, a small white-haired gentleman with wire-rimmed glasses stood behind the cluttered counter. Julia noted that he was wearing a clean canvas carpenter's apron over his neat khaki pants and a short sleeve shirt. Julia smiled as she considered the incongruity of his neatness amid the clutter in the shop. So just playing the opposites there. Do you have time for one more little one? Yes, of course. Okay, so Julia is now um, kind, of a, kind of a prisoner on a yacht. So Julia heard the chopper approaching from her hiding place. She's actually hiding in a, um, a lifeboat on this yacht. Her watch said 9.25 p.m. She got up enough courage to peek out over the edge to see if she could see anything. She could hear a lot of shouting. Sam's voice was clear, even over the noise of the helicopter's blades. 
No one seemed to be close to her, so Julia decided to leave the lifeboat and get closer to the activity. She scampered across the deck to the shelter of a hallway and surveyed the options. The helicopter pad was aft. The main control cabin was foredeck. The radio equipment had to be near the main cabin. She reasoned that her only chance of escape was to contact Ian or Martin. She sneaked across the edge of the deck and down the starboard side of the yacht toward the bow. She was thankful for the activity on the chopper pad because it gave her this opportunity. Much to her relief, there seemed to be no one in the radio room. She quickly switched the frequency to channel 16 and spoke quietly into the microphone. Calling Martin Thompson, calling Martin Thompson, come in please. This is Julia, Martin, come in please. This is Julia. Julia held her breath as she paused for a response. Julia, this is Greg. Turn to channel channel 9, over. Copy, turning to channel 9. Julia switched to the designated channel. Greg, I'm so glad you heard me. I'm in trouble. Uh, So what else is new? What kind of trouble are you in this time? I'm being held prisoner on a yacht somewhere off St. Martin. I can't get off the boat. I'm scared. Okay, Julia, I'll put someone on surveillance. Give us five minutes to find you. Oh, Greg, you don't know how happy I am to hear your voice. Julia, go hide until we get there. No more detective stuff. Do you copy? I copy. Over. Hurry. As Julia put the microphone down, she she felt cold metal against the back of her neck. And just what do you think you're doing, asked Teresa. Would you believe I was ordering a pepperoni pizza for dinner? Julia responded without moving a muscle. She's a character. (laughs) (laughs) She is. And she's not really trying to get into trouble. My my father always said that I could find trouble without it finding me. So Julia's kind of like that. I was going to ask if there's any of PJ and Julia that are mixed in there a little bit. That might be true. That could be true. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your work with us, PJ. And listeners, if you loved what you heard, definitely make sure you get on the show notes and find PJ's website. It'll be there. And uh, make sure you let her know you heard her on the podcast. And PJ, when you finish your next book, we'll definitely bring you back on. Well, thank you very much. And I'm just thrilled to be here again, as I said. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we did. Follow us on social media and sign up for our newsletter where you can be entered automatically each month to win a signed free copy of a book from an author that's appeared on the podcast. You can find out more at our website, www.squishpin.com. And finally, if you're an author in the Pacific Northwest and you would like to appear on the show, you can find out more on our website. So until next week, I hope you enjoy the journey. This is Vicki J. Carter signing off.